The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Reed Prasad, residential and commercial broker at Option Realty. Reed, thank you for joining us. Thank you. You know, it was really uh, just interesting getting to know you and how you got into real estate because it's been a, a little bit of a journey, not only uh, professionally, but it seems that it, it, it very much was in parallel to your personal uh, happenings, right? Things that were changing in life and made career changes, life changes. But I would love for you to tell me where you're from originally and uh, yeah, how you got into the business. Okay, so originally I was born in India. And I came over to this country when I was six years old, and um, we traveled all over. I lived in all of like the hot spots that everybody wants to go to. <laughs> Wheeling, West Virginia, Wichita, Kansas, Temple, Texas. Everybody trying not to get jealous. Um, <laughs> and I was just jumping all over the place. Um, and I remember the first idea that I had with real estate was I was obsessed with retirement. Hmm. I saw a commercial, I think it was like six or seven, and they're all talking about retirement and they're on a beach. And I was like, oh, I want to retire. Because I thought it was yeah, just be on a beach. I was like, that's what I want. Um, and so I told my dad, all right, we're going to start a retirement fund, not fully knowing what it was. And at nine, I started babysitting, we put money away for my retirement fund. Then when I had enough money um, set aside, I bought my first property when I was 20 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, this is when they rolled in all of the closing costs and mm. they were giving loans to just about anybody. It was like the Oprah of loans. If you wanted a loan, you probably got one. Did you get a decent loan or was it one of those scary loans? I got actually a pretty decent loan. I think my interest rate was only like 4.5. And it wasn't like, uh, what is it, adjustable rate? And then, you know, a year later, it's 80%. No arms. Okay. <laughs> and they rolled in my closing costs. So, um, I mean, if you're giving a 20-year-old who's in, who's getting her MBA alone, like, I was not qualified. But really? I was not qualified. I, I worked at the college. I was in the tutoring center, and I had, like, two other jobs. But it's not like I was pulling big bucks. Well, yeah, and at that time, you're right, though. They were, like giving loans away. Yeah. So different than today. So different. <laughs> now they want like prostate tests and everything. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Yeah. But uh, like the, a career in real estate wasn't your first career though. It was not. Um, I actually had multiple careers. I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing with my life. So I graduated. I was like 21 with an MBA. And you, and you, at that point, though, the last place that you lived was Fort Wayne, Indiana, right? So I lived in Munster, Indiana. Munster, Indiana. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Right, right, right. Yes. So I ended up in Munster. Here I am, super young. I have my master's degree, and I got into uh, a few different positions. I worked at a casino for a bit. I uh, started doing community relations and PR, and I loved it. Then I started training, and I took 60-some positions, and I condensed them. And then I helped open uh, the vessel, the Moab, the mother of all boats, at Horseshoe Casino. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, then I ran that department for a while, and I left to actually start using my marketing 
degree and I went into the software industry. Um, I started as a customer marketing manager. Within a month, I was a marketing manager. And when I left, I was running their marketing division, marketing worldwide. Now, was this a, a tech startup? That it was a tech okay. startup, yeah. yeah. And then they were acquired by Oracle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, a massive company. A massive company. And I'm sure pretty exciting to, to, to witness that, too. So I left right before um, that happened because mm. they were talking IBITA, and everyone mm. knows a buyout is coming yep, yep. the moment you pull out those words. So yep. I got poached by a data security company. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I spoke at a marketing conference, and I talked about how we're utilizing this marketing automation software very differently, and I can pinpoint sales and conversion ratios doing A-B testing, and um, the VP of marketing the CMO of marketing pulled me aside. She offered me a job. And so I was running the field marketing division for this company in North America, South America, and Asia. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> young doing it. I was in my 20s. I was pretty young. Um, and it was great, but I realized this wasn't what I loved. Mm. It was great money. It was really interesting work. But... I didn't love it. And I was in a relationship where I was like, great human being. I love him. But this is not a forever isn't just because you love someone. Right. right? It's not a fit. And so having a, a third life crisis, <laughs> I ended my relationship. I quit my job, packed up my bags, my little dog, and moved back to Munster, Indiana. And I was home with my parents, and that lasted exactly a week. Wow. Yeah. I love them. The greatest, kindest, loving people in the world. But it's very different when you've been independent and you move back in. Yeah. I saw my home go on the market at like 3 in the morning, everything I wanted in a place. I'd been looking for a year and a half, and um, I wrote down every single phone number associated with a property. And I'm very type A obsessive, so... <laughs> When they opened the office at 8 a.m., I called every single number until someone picked up. And she was like, oh, I can't find the keys for this. So I was like, all right, I'm going to call you back in exactly 10 minutes. That should be enough time to find keys. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. You get 10 minutes. I called her back, and she's like, I can't find it. I was like, all right, this is what's going to happen. I'm like, I'm going to be there at 11 o'clock because I need to stop by the bank and pick up a check. And either you show up with the keys or you send your boss or whoever is leading your team to explain why a cash buyer can't take a look. But mm -hmm. either way, I'm going to see someone there at 11 o'clock. Wow. And so the agent showed up at 11. I had a blank offer. I wrote in the number and I said, this is it. I'm not negotiating it. Take it or leave it. And I closed in 10 days. And... <sighs> It was, it was a whirlwind, but I knew. I saw this property, I did a walkthrough, I had a vision of the colors and how I was gonna change it and what it was gonna be, and I just knew. And my mom was like, you know, I think you should do this. I think you'd be really good at real estate. And like you and I were talking before, sometimes when your parents say something to you, you're like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> then someone else said, I think you should try this. It's like, oh, I think I'm gonna try this. <laughs> That's so funny and is so true, too. Yeah. Now, when you were, I guess, not really negotiating, but when you were uh, setting terms, mm -hmm. was there a part of you that was nervous or is this just your personality and it just comes off so naturally you don't even think about it? It's my personality. Wow. Yeah. 
because I was like, this is what I think it's worth. This is what I'm willing to pay you. And that's it. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and because when we had talked to and when we talked about our, our, our energies, our spirits, how we're, uh, I don't say we're fighters, like we're going out picking fights, right? But when it comes to defending those we care about, and in this case, we're talking in the context of your clients, that, you, you know, you fight for your clients and that you're going to stick up for them, but also negotiate on their behalf. With this experience with, with marketing, that's something that I feel, especially during the pandemic, that a lot of realtors became order takers, yeah. that the business was just coming in and you didn't have to really work for it because there was high demand. But now those same realtors who hadn't experienced, you know, the, the difficult times, or not even difficult times, but just normal times, um, now seem to be stressed out and like this is a terrible market and this, that, and the other, but it's really just more normal than it is what was experienced during COVID. So given that and, and your marketing background, what has helped you the most and like what advice would you give to especially agents that just that that kind of fell into this during the pandemic and, and were spoiled a little bit? I think that this job, like any other job, anything else that you do well is all about relationships. So my clients know that whether it's the day of the closing or five years after the closing, if you have a question, you reach out. I had a client who was um, remodeling their kitchen and they called me just like, what should I pick? Like, you know what? I'm gonna come and I'm gonna walk through and you show me the selections Hmm. and I'll help you because it truly is a relationship. If you view it as an outcome-based job or if I do these things, I'm gonna make money, money will come a little bit, but it's not going to continue to come. Mm. But if you look at it as service, like I love what I do, let me come show you, let me explain through the process of decision-making when you're spending $7,000 to redo your bathroom to make sure that when you sell in another four years, you're gonna get your money back. And I explain it to them and I'm very um, involved in the process. They see that I care which I genuinely do. And it's a relationship. Like I have my client who we've been searching and rarely do properties come up in the suburbs that meet their criteria. My client texts me, she's like, Riri, I miss you so much. I just miss our conversations. Can we just go look at properties just so I can see you? Oh, wow. <laughs> but, and, and that's the, the biggest thing I got from you, which is how much you do care. Um, and, and it shows, like not just with clients, but just in the little we've known each other, how you are with other people, just around us, right? Have Has that something that just always come naturally to you and that's why your mom and others have said, hey, you should do this? Or is anything that you're talking about something that you've had to work towards, like being more aware of something that, you know, how, how do you develop those skills when you, it kind of comes naturally, I guess is what I'm asking. I think for me, it just comes naturally because that's a huge part of my personality growing up in an Indian family, like if you come to my house, you will be fed and then you will walk away with leftovers for a week. (laughs) And, but that's relationships. I was brought up in a family where when I have a test, my entire family that day is like wishing me luck. And I think it becomes a part of who you are. And when you're fostering relationships with your friends, um, you just carry on who you are with your clients because they're, they become your family. They become your friends. And they really do. I mean, it's like that, that's the beauty of, of 
these types of relationships where you get to spend a lot of time with someone and you have to know things about them, their likes, their preferences, right? That's that that's what friends know about one another and you, know, you get to see that. So like the other part of this is that you do a lot of investing yourself too, right? And in t- talk to me about that just because there is the residential side where you know, people need a place to live and they go, but how much of that um, be, then becomes maybe even those same buyers become investors or you know how much of your business is related to investing for others? So actually a good portion is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, when I start talking to clients, it's like what you said, I learn about who you are and what you want. And sometimes it's the in-between of when you're describing your property or what you want five years down the line is when I pick up what you actually need. Because sometimes what you think you want is not what you want. And a lot of times, like I have a lot of VA clients and in the city, finding a VA condo is actually hard. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And, but it's much easier to get a multi-unit VA because it's 100% financed, right? Versus finding a HOA that's approved and then having a mm. unit that comes up and um, it, it becomes a process. And so I'll look at my clients who are going through the process. I'll have a conversation like, is this your forever home? Like, where, what do you see? And we go through and we talk about when you have HOA fees, yeah, you want to live in a high rise. That $800 is a sunk cost that goes in your high rise. What if we can take that $800 and now we can get you a two unit building because your payments are only going to go up this much more, right? That $800 more. But now you have that offsetting your mortgage payment. Would that help you? And once you change the context of it, people don't view themselves as an investor, right? But the biggest investment you make is your home. That is the biggest chunk of money that you're taking and you're putting it somewhere. Why not put it somewhere where it actually works for you? And so a lot of times going, having these conversations with them, talking to people about, I actually house hack. I live in a three unit building. I have two tenants. I live in an 1800 square foot unit that is paid for by my two tenants. Wow. And so, good for you. Yeah, but people think like house hacking is like for you know someone really really young, or they have this idea in their head of what it is. I'm like, let me show you where I live, and I house hack. Now, when you do that, are you making it known that the, these are your tenants? So, like, do they? I mean, do they know that you're the owner of the building? Mm-hmm. So, do they come, you know, knocking all the time? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't mind it. So I feel really privileged. Um, to have my tennis there. When we had that crazy wind a few weeks ago, my tenant, they have a duplex down and I have a simplex and then I'm in the duplex up. Mm. My tenants um, in the basement unit, they texted me. They're like, if you want to come down here and hunker down with us, come on down. Or, you know, I like that sense of community um, in my in my home because I live alone. I work a lot of hours. I'm on nonprofit boards. I have other things that I do on the side as an investor. So when I come home and I see someone smiling at me or I can't have dogs because I'm never home, hmm. my my tenants have a dog. I get to, for five seconds, I get to like pet that dog and flirt with that dog. And it's like fulfilling to me. It's a consistency. And yeah. I, I don't mind it. I enjoy it. And you know, it seems like you've been very successful with relationships in general. Because even as I asked you, that a lot of the marketing that you do, while 
it's, it's word of mouth, right? And, you, and so talk to me about how you've gone about building these relationships where not just for clients, but even, you know, finding renters or whatever it is that it's always relationships and you seem to be very good at it. Um, with my clients, I just always follow up. So I just saw that one of my clients um, got a dog and they messaged me to get information about a doggy um, doggy door and adding it in. So <laughs> I actually, in my car, I've got doggy treats and human cookies that I'm gonna go drop off and just say hi and congratulations, right? Because it's something that I enjoy and it's a part of my personality. And now it's a time for me to like just check in and see how they're doing and if they have questions. Because yeah. sometimes you have to reiterate, like I am, I don't just say it, I mean it. I'm here, if you have questions, I'm here. I'm going to answer it. Like, let me be the person that guides you through it because I've probably seen it or dealt with it or it's an experience for me to learn. So if anyone has that question, I'll be able to answer it. And it's those little things because we're Facebook friends or and I saw something and um, I took the five seconds to call them and say hi. And oh, I saw this on Facebook. Congrats with your new job. And they're they're blown away because they know I actually care. Isn't it crazy how like little effort goes a long way that we take for granted that sometimes it's, it's, oh, it's insignificant or, you know, why do it if it's so little, but for someone that is not used to that yeah. and they get that, that's a game changer for them, right? For you and for them. Yeah. And I think it's, I think people forget to celebrate each other. Yeah. Right. Like, You'll, you'll get, a, oh, congrats on Facebook or whatever, but who actually picks up the phone anymore and calls and says, like, I saw that, congrats. I just wanted to say hi and celebrate you. That's amazing. I knew, I knew that you wanted to progress to the next step. And people, for that one second, it's not real estate. It's not me pushing. It's not me doing anything. I never even mention, like, oh, do you, have, do you know someone who's looking to buy or sell real estate? Do you know a renter that's looking to purchase or could benefit from this? Like, I've never once in my life said any of those things really? to my clients ever. Good for you. Ever. Because I like it makes me feel sleazy. And I know the moment anyone says anything like that to me, my shield goes up. Right. And I don't want to be that person. Um, and you'll find just like having these conversations and interacting with them, they'll be like, I'll get a text message. Hey, Re, this person, I cannot for the life of me remember them. I don't even think we did a transaction together. I think we just had a phone conversation about potentially listing their home. They referred their coworker to me to list their home. Wow. Because they were like, I really appreciated you were honest with me and you told me not to sell, to hold on to it and to rent it out because that will make me a lot of money in the area it is. And wow. she's like, because you were honest with me, when my coworker asked me for someone I trust, I thought of you. And I literally had to go in my database and look up like, who is this person? That's amazing though. And, and, it, and it, I mean, yeah, that's how life works, right? And um I mean, I want. I almost want to ask. It just sounds like this is what you do, right? But but there's so many people that, that it gets lost on them, and so they don't make it a part of that. And you know, it's refreshing to hear you articulate it in that way. But I don't think you ever approached it with "this is what I'm trying to get out of it." It was always you know the right motivation for it. Yeah, because I always tell my clients when we start the process, like I am probably going to talk you out of properties before I ever talk you into one. And the reason why is. Um, 
one of the properties that I bought before I was licensed, it was the worst transaction I've ever had in my life. Looking back, my attorney took me, literally took me to the cleaners with what they were charging me, took me. And then they sent me a bill, yeah, to record the deed. Okay, so you should not be sending me a bill after the fact, four months after my closing to record the deed. Wow. You took me. I didn't pay it because I was like, this is BS. I already paid you 5K at the closing table for all of these other things. And the agent didn't represent me well. The inspector was in and out in 30 minutes. No inspection should ever be 30 minutes. Right. And they took me. And so in my head, I was like, no one that I ever work with will ever feel that way or ever be taken. Yeah. Ever. Well, it sounds like you had to go through it. Yeah. So that you would feel this way. Right. And be aware of it. So in terms of the, I guess, the place that someone wants to be or needs to be in order to think about investing, right? Where 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 should people start? How can they start to uh, pave a path for them so that when they call you, they're like, it's a, it's a seamless you know, transact, I don't want to say transaction, but a seamless experience when it comes to finding something that works for them, but to be in that place where they're ready to invest. Like, what advice would you give to put them on that path? I think it's always important first to make sure you know where you are right now in terms of like, where's your credit score at? How much do you have stashed away? I think everyone should have a budget. I don't care if you're a CFO or I don't care if you're working at an hourly wage position. You should know how much you spend on what every single month. And once you have an idea of where you're at, then only can you know where you need to go. And so that's the first thing I tell my clients. I'm like, we can sit down. Let's talk about this. Let's see where you're at. And then I'm going to have you talk to a lender to find out where your score, the things that you need to do to get your score there and how much down payment money you're going to need for this. So I'll give you all of the math. And then here's the budget that I use. I literally give out my Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, a copy, a blank copy of it. Like for your personal life? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I keep one, so I have a blank one that I'll give it to anyone who wants it of how to track and what to look at. So that way you can identify where you can cut the fat and where you need to go. That's amazing. But a lot of us aren't taught these things. I don't think anyone is, to be honest. I mean, unless you come from a very, uh, you know, uh, responsible household. But I think the majority of people get themselves in trouble financially. And it's not it's not the norm. to. And, and you especially don't learn it in school. Yeah. Like yeah. ever. Like any of those things that are important, you don't actually learn at school. You now, don't. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about the, just the, the vision for the future. What's to come? What's next? What are you hoping for in this year and beyond? Um... So I'm really excited. I'm on two boards for nonprofit organizations. Nice. And I think that's really what excites me. Like I love my career and I love what I do as a a real estate broker. But what really makes me excited is the impact that I can have in these areas and these communities. So um, we've got rejuvenation. What we're doing is the first local co-op where you can buy into a neighborhood where we're rejuvenating a neighborhood. Okay. We're buying up properties and then we've got various classes. So you have to be a local owner that either resides in that neighborhood or in one of our properties to have a share that allows you to vote on what we do next. Okay. But if you're just an investor, that's a second tier of share. 
and you just get, you know, the money out of it. Mm. So our hope is to build a community where communities can't prosper unless you have those local businesses, right? If you don't have that dry cleaner, you don't have that restaurant, you don't have a grocery store, a local gas station, if you have to go further away to get all of these things, your property values are always going to remain low. Yep. And so our hope is by going into these areas where we've got people who want to unite, we want who are like have been there for various generations and they want to take control of their community again and they want to see it grow and prosper. Yeah. So our idea is to go in there and to unite these communities and to and to help these businesses establish and to help them grow because we've got experts from finance, from real estate, from lawyers who are the best at what they do. Wow. Yeah, you have these experts that are coming to help guide you. And so we've got the co-op board um, and then another NPO where we actually help co-ops come together, business co-ops from um, you know, backgrounds where they weren't given opportunities. Sure. And so we've got the first black contractor co-op in the country starting here in Chicago. Okay. So that's a, that's another passion project because now you're giving them the ability to go in and negotiate contracts for goods, lowering all the the overall price, so that way their profit margins are a little bit higher and they can provide it into the communities that require it, right? So that to me is like amazing project that I get to be a part of as well. Um, so these are my passion projects and then I'm also on Car 77. I represent East Garfield Park and West Garfield Park for the Chicago Association of Realtors. So um, I get to get involved with all of these small businesses there as well. And we've got a few things that we're working on that I'm really excited about. These are my passion projects. Um, these are the things that I love because I know that I'm having an impact on people's lives. I'm so grateful that I have had all this knowledge and opportunity. And it's interesting because it reinforces my gratitude for everything I have when I can sh teach it to someone else, when I can help someone else um, grow or sh change or shift or meet their goals. That to me is something that I'm finding fulfilling right now. I'm also looking to buy a bigger building this year. I'm working on something. Uh, I heard you wanted to double your portfolio. That's my goal this year is to double my you. portfolio. It's very scary, but exciting. I think it's different. So when I'm helping a client, I can look at you because I'm on the outside. Right. I can advise you so well because I'm like, all right, this is what I know construction costs are. This is what I know based off of what your five and 10 year goal is will align you with that. It's so different with me. <laughs> you just got to start treating yourself like your own client, right? I do. I mean, I'm sure you try to do that anyway, but all yeah, the time. easier said than done. It is. And I realized something. I think being an investor makes me a better agent. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because all these fears and insecurities that I have going through the process, now I know I need to address it with my clients in a different way yep. to make them feel secure. And I think every single agent should buy and sell a property every five years. You should be forced to go through the hell of moving <laughs> just so you can be empathetic because your clients go through it. 
I mean, but I, I really do think it's true. And just from an investor standpoint of knowing, like something, knowing something different, what to look for, um, you know, having you in your corner seems to be uh, a much smarter choice than, you know, going it alone in any, any regard. Right. So, um, and, and, and I say that in, in, in so many other ways than just real estate that it seems that you're advising people on and, and just helping. So on that, I want to thank you for coming in, sharing, you know, not only your story, but also your vision for the future and everything, all the work you're doing with the nonprofits and yeah, just uh, your energy that you bring to the community. Thank you. This has been absolutely amazing.